alibi. Origin late 17th century as an adverb in the sense of elsewhere, from Latin elsewhere. The noun use dates to the late 18th century. Elsewhere is where I live and where I travel. Through the gloom and between the moments, I visit places, people, and occasionally things. I listen to their dreams, their desires, and I keep their secrets. And yes, sometimes I am their excuse. Welcome. I'm Babiole, and this is The Alibi Tent. The Alibi Tent is brought to you by Nixie's Night Market, your online source for custom and one-of-a-kind t-shirts, mugs, throws, socks, and home decor items for lovers of new and classic horror, as well as witchy and creepy items, and your Halloween all-year needs. Today is the day of the sun, December 20th, waxing crescent in Pisces. Sunday is good for intentions of healing, blessing, general positive work, optimism, fame, and recognition. The waxing moon is suited for intentions involving invocation, attraction, and bringing in. Pisces moon contributes energy for creativity, mysticism, spirituality, endings, and emotions. This is solstice and you'll leave, the longest night of the year. Many will be inside, warm and protected from the elements, possibly surrounded by lights of the season, maybe a tannenbaum covered with lights tucked in the corner, and outside of their aesthetic contribution, not aware of why December lights are so important. Incidentally, tannenbaum, contrary to what some may have been told, doesn't mean Christmas tree. Baum does translate to tree from German to English, but Tannen is the German word to describe fir or pine trees. Evergreens. Evergreens, like light, were a symbol of hope, a form of sympathetic magic to prompt the return of the sun. But at this moment, we are still in the dark and in the season of the chrome. Many from the left-hand path use the crone season as a time to do shadow work, to go within and explore that side of oneself that, due to circumstances or societal pressures, has to be suppressed or pushed aside. In order to maintain a balance, which is needed to promote healthy, positive growth, one needs to be acquainted with both sides of one's nature. For those on the right-hand path, just the idea of shadow work is enough to send them running. All things of the shadow and the dark are to be avoided, if not totally shunned. To dwell even a moment in the shade is a sign that you have turned from grace and are in the grip of the unclean one. The Germanic and Nordic myth of the wild hunt was known to occur during the dark months between November and February. According to Jacob Grimm, the wild hunt was a pre-Christian myth in which people could hear in the winter winds 
a hunt led by a god and goddess who visited the land bringing blessings and accepting offerings from people. After the invasion of the Christian church, the wild hunt became known as a pack of ghouls, led by Odin in one of his many names, racing through the cold night, catching up unwitting mortals and kidnapping them to the underworld or dropping them miles from their home. Another bit of Nordic folklore that addresses some very dark realities of life in the dark times is the Utbord and the Meiling. An Utbord is created when an infant is left to die by the parents or mother by being exposed to the elements. An Utbord is said to haunt the place where they died or the home of their killer. An Utbord is considered a Meiling but not all Myling are Utbord. Myling can be children older than infants that have died at the hands of their mother or their parents. Myling are vindictive, their goal being to end the life of their killer, which would be their parents. However, Myling have been known to victimize those who wander into the area of their death. And it is my experience with a Myling of sorts that I share with you today. 2009 found me and my family in a situation that was less than satisfactory after being victims of crime. We unified as a family to make do until we could do better, but our situation, to put it plainly, sucked. During this time, my health took a dip, and soon I discovered that my psychic vulnerability was on par with my physical. This led to a few unpleasant paranormal experiences for me as I tried to find a regime that would help both my physical and psychic health. Due to my weakened state, I wasn't offering readings nor was I doing divination of any form at that time. My days were devoted to work and caring for my children. One day in the fall, Word went through the community that a child was missing. Law enforcement responded, searches were formed, and everyone waited for word. The bad news came the next day. As I focused on trying to help my children deal with the aftermath as they knew people that were close to what had been the missing child. We didn't have a television or cable, so my children weren't being reminded by the media of the crime. After dinner and homework, I tried to make their evening hours be about their interests and what they liked. They would be subjected to the gruesome gossip soon enough throughout their school day. For my part, things had been okay until a couple of days later, while I was taking clean laundry to my bedroom. I finished hanging some things in my closet, and as I did, I became aware of something. I closed my closet and looked out my bedroom window to see if there was something going on outside that I might have heard without realizing it. There was nothing. So with a mental shrug, I turned away from the window and intended to return to the front of the house. As I started to step through my doorway to the hall, my world, or my perception of it, changed. It became darker everywhere except to my right. As I looked in that direction, 
The walls and rooms of my home had gone, and I had a view of an open area. Far in the distance, I saw an image, but couldn't make out what it was. At that realization, the image was instantly closer to me. I took a moment to focus and get balance because the shift was sudden. As I looked again at the image, I could feel such frustration wash over me in a wave. No one would listen to him, so he wasn't going to listen to anyone. He wasn't supposed to listen to anyone except his mother, so he wouldn't. But his mother wouldn't listen to him. I openly watched as the image turned into a small figure with full movement. He marched along as he talked, half out loud and half to himself, venting his frustration, but making sure to never stop moving. He had to keep moving, or they would try to stop him and get him to talk and go away with them. He didn't want to go away. He wanted to go back to his mother. As I said, I openly yet silently watched all of this, not thinking it had anything to do with me or that he even knew I was there. He walked at a distance from me and passed from my right to left for a short distance, then made a turn, the way a honeybee flies, and headed roughly in the direction he had come from. I knew, because he knew, that he had to remember to always return to that direction, because that was where his mother was. As I watched him walk, I could sense a group of people coming from the direction he had came. They were a bit frantic and talking amongst themselves, and they quickly walked toward him. He was still talk-thinking out loud to himself, so didn't immediately notice the group. When he did, he did another honeybee turn, 180 degrees-ish away from them, which put him coming toward me. Then he stopped. His face was stoic, but I could feel his anxiety as he looked in my direction. He looked as if he were trying to figure something out. I stayed still. I could feel the group getting closer to him, and despite not wanting to add to the already charged scene, my anxiety raised as they got nearer. The little one remained motionless, continuing to look in my direction but he was no longer talking ceaselessly to himself. His mind had gotten calm. He turned his head to side-eye in my direction, waited a few seconds, then asked, Who are you? I didn't answer because I still wasn't sure that it was me he was addressing. Instead, I turned around and looked to see if there was someone or something behind me. I saw nothing. As I turned back to look at him, the group of people came into view and rushed toward him when they saw him. But the little one stayed put, looking in my direction. Who are you? He asked again. I quickly checked behind me again to see who he would be talking to because I knew that just moments ago, I had been about to step into my hall, so what was happening had nothing to do with me. Still, I saw no one, and turned back to face him, just as the chattering group came up behind him. They made no move to talk or to touch him, but I got the impression that they were his attendants. Not his hunters, but his posse. 
He gave no reaction to the group, but continued to look in my direction. I wasn't confident, but I took a chance and pointed to myself to see if he reacted. He nodded. I gave him the only answer I had. I'm nobody. He let that sink in a moment, then demanded, Where's Mom? Him speaking caused his posse to become confused, and as I considered my answer to him, I realized that they couldn't see me. Where is your mom supposed to be? I asked softly. Home, he replied with a tiny lilt to his voice. I tried to tamp down my emotions and just stay matter-of-fact. Then she probably is there. As I said this, I became aware of more people stepping into view from my left. They looked different. They were quiet, and their energy was calm. The little one looked down as he took a step toward me and spoke again. Yeah, but when I go there, she won't talk. Suddenly, I could see her from his perspective, sitting, looking straight forward as he called for her. He reached out to pat her knee and her hands, repeatedly chanting, Mom, 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 toddler style. But she gave him no reaction. Like when a mother is at the checkout, looking for her wallet, and her child is holding on to her pants, trying to get her attention and chanting, Mom. My heart cracked, and I pushed the scene away and tried to repress my feelings. The new people to my left felt my reaction, however, and shared a sad smile of understanding. The Twittering group looked to the new people and where they were looking, but still seemed not to see me. At this prolonged silence, the little one looked up at me. He was so tired. Poor baby. What was I supposed to do? Have you tried to just talk to her, I asked. He was close to me now, and the mother in me wanted to pick him up and let him rest as I took him to his mom to see if I could get her to react. I looked at the new people, and their faces told me what I already knew. So, I beat down my feelings, as he replied. Yeah, but she can't talk. I want to go home, but she won't talk. He had a limited toddler vocabulary, but his feelings were palpable. And with them came his story. He had been scared. Very scared. His dad was in the house with his mom and he and his sisters played outside, but they could hear the fighting. Then suddenly his dad came charging out the door and passed his sisters directly to him. He was scared as he looked up and his father snatched him by his shirt from the ground where he played. His father rambled in his anger as he swung and shook the boy. Then all was quiet and he was standing in the yard again. His sisters were gone from where they were playing, and he listened a long time for sounds of fighting in the house. Something was wrong. It was getting dark, and he knew he shouldn't be outside. So he carefully made his way up the porch stairs and in the door, all the while listening for sounds of fighting. 
Instead, there was emptiness. The only light spilled from the kitchen. The scene dissipated and I looked down at him as he sat with his knees bent, feet on either side of his hips. He was relaxed. The twittering group had quieted, but upon seeing him sitting still, they moved forward as a group. The little one tensed with their approach, but the new people made a gesture that they should stay back. When the group obeyed, I looked to the new people and asked what was the group's deal. The new people came toward me and started to answer, but then the little one asked me if I liked his toy. I looked down and saw he was fidgeting with something. My heart cracked again as the new people came close, and for the next few moments they caught me up on the situation as the little one played at my feet. He had to go with the group of his own accord. He was stubborn and could not be appealed to or tempted. They had run out of ways to try to get him to come with them. But there was a sense of urgency. The longer he stayed here, the more dangerous it became for him. He stood up and walked in little circles, but stayed near me. I asked the new people why they didn't take him. He didn't seem to be agitated by them. They couldn't, they said. It wasn't their job. They were only support, backup to keep an eye on him if he should get away from the group. I looked at the group and sighed quickly in disgust. If it were me, I wouldn't go with them either. They were loud and yippy and didn't inspire confidence in any way. The new people gave a sad smile in response and let me know that they understood my feelings and his, but assured me that the group had only his best interests in mind and that when they got him where he needed to be, there would be others, people he knew that would be there for him. It was getting him there that was the challenge. And if I couldn't get him to agree to go with them, to not worry, the group wouldn't abandon him. They were devoted to getting him to where he needed to be, no matter how long it took. They looked at him, then to me, and asked me to consider if I wanted to try to help him to go, and if I didn't, it was all right, but to please get away from him and go back to where I belonged, because the longer he was with me, the more he bonded and the less likely he would be able to go with the group. I didn't know how to help, and I didn't know how I had gotten there from my bedroom doorway, and I said so. They weren't surprised and said, I knew how to get back, but I was being affected by the pain and fear of the little one. All that came to mind was scenes in movies where a character tries to get rid of a pet or an animal that's become close to them, and they try to shoo it away. I wasn't going to shoo away a toddler. But I did think of when you try to get a baby that's fallen asleep on your chest to lay down in its crib by staying where you can see them, but they can't see you until they drift to sleep again. So I looked to the new people, then took a slow step back from them and the little one. I waited, but he didn't seem to notice as he was singing a song to himself. 
Encouraged, I slowly took another step back, then paused for slightly less time than I had at first. But when I went to take my third step back, the little one turned to say something to me, and when I wasn't in the place I had been, I could feel his fear and anger fill the space between us and envelop me and both groups of people. He let out a yell that was pure anger, while in his thoughts there was one word. No. The group again became silent, but watched him, some seeming to truly be afraid. The new people seemed to expect the reaction and stayed as they were. I followed their lead. I didn't go backwards, but I also didn't come toward him. He looked at me, his burst of anger still hanging in the air around us, but the sound he next made was more of a tired, anxious whimper as he took a step toward me. Wait, I said, and held my arm up, palm open in the stop position. He did. Tell me about your mother again. Do you know what she's doing now? He was confused by the question and had to put effort into remembering her. Mommy's home, he offered. Yes, she is, I said. Do you know what Mommy is doing? His face scrunched a little with concentration, but he didn't respond otherwise. Do you want to know what your mommy is doing? He looked away from me for a moment, then looked back and nodded. Why don't you go where mommy is and see what she's doing? He hesitated, then reached for me as he took a step forward. No, you go. You know where mommy is. I'll wait here, and you come back and tell me. He thought for a moment, then looked at me, his face sad but serious. The energy that he pushed had turned from rage to fear and now sadness. I hurt for him, but he had to see for himself so he could let go of this place and go where he now belonged. I promise I will be here when you come back. Go and check on her, then come right back. As soon as I finished speaking, he was off and returned just as quick. When you no longer have a body, you can move as fast as the speed of your thoughts. See, I'm here. What was she doing? In his fearful haste, he hadn't paid attention and didn't remember what she had been doing. Go check on her again, but don't do it so fast this time, okay? Try to remember what she was doing and come back and let me know. He was still a little afraid I would leave but giving him a task had focused him, and when he came back, he was so worried that he wouldn't remember that he blurted out, Crying! She was crying? He nodded, but this time he realized what he had said. Do you know why she was crying? He shook his head. Why don't you go back to her and see if you can find out why she's crying? He didn't want to go. It's okay. You'll be okay. No one, not even your dad, can hurt you. Just try to see if she will say why she's crying. When he returned the next time, he was as close to me as he had been when he was playing at my feet. But there was a change in him, 
He seemed sad but calmer, almost resigned. Mommy can't see me. I softened my voice. No, she can't. Why? He asked with a soft whine. I looked up at the twittering group, who had also moved closer but were thankfully quiet. I pointed to them, then looked at him. Do you see those people? He nodded to me, but wouldn't look at them. Well, they are the people that can tell you why mommy can't see you, and what to do about it. He looked at the twittering group, and I looked to the new people, silently pleading with them that what I was telling him was real, and that I wasn't lying to him. They smiled softly, and gave a slow nod. He was leaned up against my leg, absently rocking his foot left and right from the ankle, as he stared at the Twitter group. I made my voice low, but soft as I spoke to him. That's why they have been following you. They know you got scared, and then you couldn't find anybody, not even your mommy. So they came to help you. He looked at them a bit longer, then down at his rocking shoe. I continued. But you did good not going with them at first. That was very smart. He looked up at me, and I smiled at him. As he started to smile, he hid his face. But hey, you know what? Now you get to ask them all those questions you have. And you know what? He shook his head no. I leaned down a bit and whispered to him, They have to tell you. He gave me a serious look and I grinned at him. It's true. He looked at them again, then back to me. Then he grabbed my hand and pulled me to come along. I gave the new people a nervous glance and saw their worried expressions. I didn't pull away from him, but I also didn't take hold of his hand. I couldn't help that he had made contact, but I hoped my actions, or rather my inaction, counted for something. No, I said, I can't come. He stopped pulling and turned and looked up at me. He waited a moment, then pulled my hand again. No, I said. He dropped my hand and I could feel a new type of anger coming from him. The pouting child kind. I have to go back to my children. They're at my house and they're probably looking for me now. He frowned, growing suspicious of me. You needed help. And now that you have people to help you, I can go back to my children. He looked down at his feet and his energy suddenly felt, for lack of a better description, like it belonged to a much older child. They are probably going to be mad too because I was gone, I offered, but he continued to look at his foot. But I'll tell them about you and why I was gone and hopefully they'll understand. I bent down to be a bit closer to him. Do you think they will? He looked in my eyes a long moment, then gave me a quick hug, turned and walked to the Twitter group, who rushed to him. But this time he raised his arms to indicate he wanted picked up. This gave the Twitter group pause, but after a moment one of them swooped in and picked him up. 
They were very close to me, so I took a step back. But when I did, a female member of the group stepped toward me and said, Thank you. I was shocked. I thought you couldn't see me, I said. She turned and looked at the other members. They probably can't, she said. But you can, I asked. I couldn't at first, but when he calmed a bit, I wanted to know what he was responding to, in case he started running again. I thought if he did, he would probably be running after it. I guess I tried so hard that eventually I saw you. At that, the group was walking away. She hurried to follow and thanked me again from over her shoulder. I looked to the new people, but they had already turned away. I felt a crush of loneliness. And then, I was back in the front room of my house with my children doing their homework. I didn't feel the presence of the little one after that. For a few months after the experience, I would occasionally ride past his neighborhood and the street in front of his home to check and see if I felt anything. But I felt nothing other than my own sadness. I'd like to be able to tell you justice was served, but I can't. At this point in time, no one has been charged with the little one's death. And if you're sitting there wondering if I told what I knew to the authorities, nothing I would have said would be admissible as proof. I'm thankful for that. Just ask the Puritans how that whole spectral evidence thing worked out for them. I do get angry, and at times I wish things were different. But I try to remember my brief interaction with the little Myling, and try to accept that if he, the victim, was willing to let go in order to learn the truth, then who am I to argue otherwise? Me? I'm nobody. Somewhere between the mundane and the mysterious, the privileged and the primitive, the divine and the damned, is the alibi tent.